High School Slumber Party AP is a Cage Club Podcast Network production. For all things Cage Club and High School Slumber Party, head over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome slumberers who take their studies a little more seriously. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Iceland Addington. And this is High School Slumber Party AP, a study session in contemporary teen films. And your assignment today was to watch 2020's The Craft Legacy. But before we chat all about it, we have some other homework to discuss. Absolutely. Have you subscribed yet? So many places to listen. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all of them subscribe uh, you could review that'd be fun if you're nice review if you're not nice don't review <laughs> yeah i mean we accept all feedback but we prefer the positive but again all feedback sure, sure. Is that's a better way to say it <laughs> uh, and of course class participation is a huge part of your grade so please follow high school slumber party on facebook instagram and twitter and Iceland, before we get into the craft legacy, did you finally, finally do your homework and watch To All the Boys Always and Forever? I did. Oh, you did? Great. I did. And gosh, I I really liked the first one of the three. <laughs> I mean, okay, there there are certainly aspects of To All the Boys Always and Forever that I that I really liked. I loved getting like all of the three sisters back together and kind of their, their spring break in Seoul. And I think that was great. The, okay, I think we talked about this when we did another just graduating movie, but this idea that there are only these big name schools to go to. Yeah, oh yeah, that's something big we talk about a lot on High Slumber Party. Right, and so, so <laughs> that definitely, that came into my mind of like, oh, I bet when you all discussed this, that was something you brought up. And then the way that it's framed somewhere, cause I read about it a little bit as well. It was like her safety schools in quotes, NYU, Berkeley <laughs> and another UC school. And I was just like, nope, that's not what that word means. Like, <laughs> at all and so you know that sort of big picture that kind of thing bothered me a little bit and then yeah this thing of like i don't know and i i know i know there are people out there i know i have friends among them who are happily with people they were with in high school and i don't have a problem with that i do have a problem with making big life decisions mm. based on childhood relationships Fair. and so that bothers me as like for what we understand the character to be is like this cool independent smart interesting young woman and 
I don't know. It just the that 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 was the storyline was like, oh, do I follow my boyfriend or not? Bothered me. And I, I just I remember so clearly in my first week of college being at some like social kind of I don't know, like icebreakery we're all new in college kind of thing um where there were lots of like interactive games and stuff and somebody was like raise your hand if you're like raise your hand if you're single right raise your hand if you're in a relationship raise your hand if it's a long distance relationship and then they said okay look around those are the people that are going to be single in two weeks <laughs> oh too real and it was true and so that that too like real. we're gonna we're gonna fight the odds kind of thing of like you're not fighting against anything. You're growing up, you're expanding, you're exploring. If you find your way back to each other, that's fantastic. But wouldn't you rather like do that as adults? I don't know. It just was not the plot that was gonna make it to my top 10. And I'm glad to have seen the whole thing. I still think there's aspects that are so charming. The sisters, I love, I just wish it was more about that, I guess. Aislinn, I think you make a lot of great points and a lot of points that other people uh, would definitely agree with you on. Um, this is why we do this. This is why we have this homework assignment where you can catch up on the, what we'll, we'll just say AP adjacent films that we've already covered on High School Slumber Party. Exactly. It, it helps me revisit it as well. A couple points I, I just want to uh, make on what you said. Our guest, Jenna Guillaume, YA novelist she had actually said she'd read all the books and she had actually said before we covered uh parts two and three that she felt that the second and third book could have just been one movie oh okay and watching them after that especially to talk about with her i definitely got that because i don't know we, we could have combined some things in that then we wouldn't have had jordan fisher Fair enough. Maybe we could we could have still had it though. Like you know, like I don't want to rewrite what they did. I'm very happy that they sure. did it. Something else though that I love bringing up when it comes to that series and some other modern series. It is so rare in this genre to get a sequel to a high school film. The only mm -hmm. sequels that really exist are in horror, and they don't generally follow the same characters. So the happily ever after with the high school boyfriend doesn't always feel like ever after, you know? Sure. It's just kind of like, oh, this cute little thing, and maybe they make it, maybe they don't, who knows? But when we get three movies of Peter, people started to get sick of Peter, who was, uh, like, everyone loved him in the first movie. And by the third, I think people were a little, like, agreeing with you, like, Laura Jean, do you really need him? You know? Yes, we as an audience outgrew the internet boyfriend. <laughs> Which is growth for us, right? But... Yeah, Absolutely. I, I think a lot of people uh, were in agreement with you, Iceland. And the college thing, just to go back to that. One of the things I laughed at is like, how did Peter get into Stanford? Laura Jean, I understand that. But this I'm is sorry. what I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> for, for him to get in and her not to, that was the thing. Like independent, whether or not Peter could get into Stanford is his own thing. But when you put that together, <laughs> mm -hmm. then I'm thinking about what we know about well, I was going to say race and gender and intersectionality. And there have been a number of studies where people um, are asked to rank resumes 
that have equal weight in experience, but based on the names, they are ranked in such a way that, you know, white people come out on top and men come out on top. When you share that piece with me, then that makes me think, okay, you're right. Like, yes, the whole system is rigged. And I would love to see Laura Jean take down the admissions people at Stanford. What a fun movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Love, love your thoughts on that because they're so real. And again, I love revisiting it too, because I don't even remember what my opinion was at the time, but there can sometimes be a difference between like instant reaction and then like as it marinates with you. And Absolutely. everything you're saying is checking all the boxes. So, guys, if you you listen to that old episode of High School Slumber Party, which you should, and if I say something different, maybe time has changed me. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm in 100% agreement with everything you're saying. <laughs> um, how would you rank the three movies now that you've seen the entire trilogy? In that order. One, two, three? One, two, three. I think so. Yeah. I think first one is is quirky. And I was so worried when the sister mailed the letters. I was like, that is such a betrayal. And yet it kind of turns into this interesting opportunity. And I, I just, I think Laura Jean as a character is super compelling and fun. Yeah. So I think just being introduced was the most exciting part. I think I had that same ranking. A lot of people had one, three, two. Oh, okay. But one is universally the best and everyone knows it and understands it so i'm so happy though that you've you've joined the masses of slumbers and have finally caught up with the two all the boys series because again super important to this genre and super important to modern teen films so congratulations Islin. thank you for for uh, catching up with us on that today we are talking though the craft legacy and we should mention that we just talked the craft on og High School Slumber Party with my good friend Jenny O'Connell. So definitely listen there. This is a sequel to that, obviously, but also a sequel podcast a little bit. So we're going to get into it. I'm sure we're going to compare the two today. But before that, Aizen, why don't you read the whatever summary you're reading from? I think uh, Amazon Star or something like that. Let let the slumberers know what the craft legacy is about. (laughs) Absolutely. So... Um, This is from the STARS website, and here's what they have to say to help you prepare to watch The Craft Legacy. A group of high school girls form a close-knit coven of witches, a sequel to the 1996 film The Craft. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's That's it. it. Wow. That's (laughs) all. It was short, but like... The second sentence didn't even need to be said. (laughs) And and obviously there's others like Wikipedia has things to say. IMDb has things to say, but using our formula, that was, that was what was available to me. So assuming this, well, I I know because you said it, but this is the first time you saw the craft legacy, right? It is. And I, I have to say, I am a little embarrassed and here's why. I am not a fan of scary movies. If listeners have listened to any contenders, we had to, uh, we watched um, The Babadook as our Christmas episode (laughs) because I also famously don't like Christmas movies or episodes of things. So that was a switcheroo. I said, fine, I'll watch a scary movie for Christmas. And I was so mad the entire time I was watching it and the entire time we were recording it. So I am... 
currently um it's just you know me and my dog in my little house and i was like oh man this is going to be a scary movie and so i contacted a good friend of mine that i know she and her sisters like scary movies and i was like hey why don't you all come over and watch this with me um none of them had seen it but they have all seen the, the original the craft and so we've got this group together we've got snacks whatever then i see okay pg-13 i'm like okay so it can't be that bad right and then we start watching it and about halfway through i'm like i am so sorry <laughs> I, I didn't mean this is not a scary movie <laughs> i got too nervous and i but but i think it's a nice um sort of example of that self-care piece of okay like what do i need to enjoy this experience i need other people and so yeah the four of us were just kind of like okay all right that happened <laughs> so <laughs> not the scary movie night i imagined or advertised but i was very happy to have um, the cervantes sisters with me for this experience so a shout out to them thank you for joining me for this scary movie <laughs> your, your own little coven for for the craft <gasps> legacy oh my gosh so. there were four of us <laughs> good <Nice>. point <laughs> <laughs> What about you? Did you watch this in your great movie watching or did it come out later than that? No, I did. I saw this in the fam the infamous now 2020 watch all the mo or as many movies as I could that came out teen movies that year. So definitely caught it then. Um, and just a reminder, if you didn't listen to our craft episode, again, you should do your homework. But it, but if you so didn't, <laughs> we both had seen the craft before. I had seen it a couple times. It wasn't like terribly important to me growing up, but a movie I definitely enjoy looking back at. And I Iceland, what was your history again with the original craft? I'm going to say I've seen it dozens of times. I don't know if I could say to the hundreds, but it was in high rotation for a while, certainly. It had been a very long time since I had seen it. I was surprised at how much came back so quickly and kind of which passages I were truly like cemented in my mind. It was very fun to go back and be in the 90s again for a little while. Yeah, and The Craft Legacy to me is one of those buyer beware, be careful what you wish for kind of things. Because I remember for years people were like, oh, The Craft's so good, so influential. We need another The Craft, you know? And sometimes maybe, I don't know if need is a good word, but mm -hmm. sometimes it's welcome and sometimes it's not. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about how we feel about this one today. But I don't know. I don't know. This is just another product, again, of that whole everyone's nostalgic now. I can't complain about it. You can't complain about it. Nope. We're on this podcast. Absolutely. We know. love nostalgia. We love nostalgia, even though AP's less nostalgic. You know, if you do a podcast, there's still a lot of nostalgia involved. So I'm not going to be a hater to that level. But I don't know. Sometimes I just scream at my wall. Why are you remaking things? Get an original idea. Yeah, I think the legacy part, I think there was an attempt to, to make it sort of a, a continuation. And we can talk about whether or not that was successful as well but i'm i'm glad it wasn't a reboot mm -hmm. I, I would say it was neither a reboot nor was it really a sequel and 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 tell me because i don't know horror wise 
it's, it is like legacy, I think is the right word. It's kind of a continuation of existing, I don't know, fact patterns. I'm not sure, but because there are like kind of notoriously lots of sequels in, in horror and scary movie stuff, right? I mean, I'm thinking of all the Halloweens or scream and or all the screams and Friday the 13th and things and that some of them veer off and are wild is there not a like Freddy and Jason in space yes or did yes. I make that up I couldn't have made that up that wouldn't have come out of my brain no uh Jason is in space one of them I maybe Freddy goes with him I'm not sure I'm not a big horror I, I person thought it was either. the two of them but right you might be right i don't know uh this is the wrong audience if you're here for for a horror i'm sorry these are the wrong hosts there are for... some genre folks that are pissed right now and we <laughs> apologize absolutely absolutely but yeah I, I don't know there's also something that i feel like if you want to go in that route if you want to go the wacky route they definitely waited too long then because yes. a, a film like this it's only gonna just not every film, but it's only going to just like probably gain, I don't know, this cult following and people are just going to keep like talking about it and loving it that you're you're probably going to disappoint no matter what you do. Sure. We'll talk about the reviews obviously at the end. And I don't necessarily agree with all of them because this got blasted by the Didn't by the it? Okay. Because I was going to say... I wanted to say near the near the front, like there are some aspects of this that I think were really creative and a really great way to bring the story kind of into the future, into the contemporary, and um, solve for a couple of my complaints from the original. Mm -hmm. And it's to me, it was kind of like you, there's like a, a whole dinner that you've got set up and like the main course of the dinner is really good. Like there's so much that's good about it. And then, and then there's dessert, which is also part of the dinner is just so solidly mediocre <laughs> that it kind of then goes back and, and alters your perception of the whole thing. Because I, I feel like there was some really good stuff and so many missed opportunities and so many doorways that were built and never walked through that I was confused at the end of like, oh, that's, that's it. That's all we get. Okay. I am decidedly mixed and I will, I will fight for the parts that I think were great. I also am a, am a fan of um, Zoe Lister-Jones who mm. wrote and directed it. And so I want to, I don't know. I want to be supportive. So uh, I'm, I'm just like giggling over here because I like, I wrote okay. down a, a similar analogy Oh, really? <laughs> and I haven't been in the dating scene for a while, so I apologize. But it, it feels brag. to me like... like <laughs> No, that is not a prank. Trust me. <laughs> but it feels to me like you match up with someone online and it seems like all the ingredients are there for this awesome date. You're telling your friends about it. You know, it's going to be great. And for whatever reason, you go on that date and you can't even figure it out, but it just doesn't click. And you oh don't go God. and don't get date again, you know? <laughs> You're bringing back, I am back at that Olive Garden. <laughs> the minute I saw the particular windbreaker, the person <laughs> was still wearing at the table when I arrived. Like, I knew. I was like, oh, all that was just 
good on paper and whatever this is going to be face to face is pure garbage. And it was true. So much garbage, so much garbage. I didn't even play like the, let me, you know, let's split it. I put, I, I crossed my arms when the waitress oh came over. Oh my goodness. I was like, I drove 45 minutes for this garbage. You're paying for my noodles. Anyway, that's a great analogy. That story got very real and I love it. But <laughs> If we look at the craft and I think you hit the nail on the head. If everything that maybe we didn't like or say, oh, you could tweak that or correct that. They tried to do that here. You mentioned the director, Zoe Lister-Jones. So where do you know her from? A great question. Um, I mean, somewhat recently, I would say um, New Girl as an actor. And I only say that because I have been in a New Girl spiral on and off for most of the pandemic because I find it comforting. How it ends is also another movie of hers that just recently came out. And then she seems to be a regular in the television show Life in Pieces. I don't know her from that. I mean, she's been an, an actor and a, and a writer for a long time. I believe she wrote and directed How It Ends. So I, yeah, if you're a fan, check that one out. It's, it's, I don't know, weird, but good. And I think people will recognize her as the politician Fawn Moscato on New Girl. For sure. Are you a fan? Do you know her from things? I knew her from New Girl. I didn't really know much about her. So when I did my rewatch, I didn't realize that she was this actor. <laughs> you know? Okay. I just like read her name and then th- on this research, and went, oh, that's that person. And there was a little bit of a happiness inside to like know who a person was. But we had, or at least I think I had said at least, on the craft, how it was directed, produced, written by men, such a such a, a popular story among women, that I think if you're going to remake it, you have to have a, a woman behind the, the in the director's Absolutely. chair, right? So they've got and that I down. I think I could tell. I don't know if you felt that way. No, I would agree. Yeah, definitely, definitely plus here, and you could definitely tell, right? And okay, you mentioned you mentioned the horror thing before. This is produced by Blumhouse which is a... Also made me think it was going to be scary. Exactly, right? Like huge horror studio, a lot of credibility for what they do. The Purge, Happy Death Day, Paranormal Activity, The Invisible Man, which came out recently, which was which was pretty good. Uh, and then just other stuff too that they've done. So you're like, okay, you got a legit horror studio behind it. You have a woman director behind it. And she also wrote it too wrote it yeah so far we're starting on some really really good points here and then when we get into the cast right the four young women who are our coven here who are supposed again supposed to remind us of the original coven awesome diverse you know what i mean like all the recipes for in 2021 what this movie should be so yeah (laughs) so when we get to the recipe that ends up being you're like wait, this didn't add up, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> we're, usually, we're usually able to point at some of these things and be like, oh, that's probably why this didn't come across, or that's probably why sure. that didn't come across. I, again, I can't explain it. Let, let's go over this cast, though, really quickly. Absolutely. Our lead here is Kaylee Spaney. I might be saying her name wrong. Um, she plays Lily. Uh, were you familiar with her at all? No, I was not. Were you? I was not either. But shame on me. 
I have not seen The Mayor of Easttown, which everyone says is awesome. Apparently, oh, she's sorry. in that. So, listeners out there, you might be familiar with her from that because I know that was a huge, huge hit recently. By the way, I was going to mention this. You know who else is in The Mayor of Easttown? Who? Oh. Our good friend Susie Bacon apparently is in The Mayor of Easttown. Oh, good. I love her. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, you know, if you're, if you're a legit AP listener, you know who we're talking about. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, what'd you think of her performance? I thought she was she was really great. And she's also in, I should say, the, um, How It Ends, the, the Zoe Lister-Jones movie that just oh, came cool. out recently. Cool. Yeah, I think she did a great job. A lot of, a lot of this is on her shoulders. Mm-hmm. And, and I think she carried kind of the, the weight of it. And I mean that in both... I don't know. Uh, she had to be new. She had to work with the other three, you know, and be kind of convincing in that way. But then also she has these scenes with Michelle Monaghan and with David Duchovny that like, I don't know. I think sometimes I can see where, you know, uh, maybe younger actors are great with other young people, but then not as good with, other generations you know what I mean like in the high school part they're great but then in the family part they're not or vice versa and Mm -hmm. so I think she um sort of traversed the universe really well and I believed that she was weird felt weird you know know what I mean like I I think she did she did a great job and and it started just with with them in the car right you're so right in terms of saying she had almost she had a lot of roles in this to play. I mean, she, again, she's just that character, but she had the element with the friends. The mother-daughter thing is huge here. And then just the overall, you know, to company stuff and action stuff or whatever. Yeah, we do start with that with Michelle Monaghan and her, we should mention Michelle Monaghan. Um, yeah, because I hadn't looked ahead to see who was in it. Mm-hmm. And so I was just delighted to see Michelle Monaghan. I think she's in general, just fantastic and super compelling to watch. And so I was confused early on of like, are they sisters? <laughs> is mother, is it a sister? And then like, cause she's crying in the car and I like, I don't know. It was, it was a bit confusing and they're both, they were both great. Yeah. I thought they were both great too. So our coven mates though, uh, Gideon Adlon, who played Frankie, I'd seen her and I know you have too, because we've talked about this movie. Uh, she's from Blockers, which I think is cool. Yes, I had that, and I didn't know her name in Blockers. Is she related to Pamela Adlin? Yes, that is her mother. Okay, that makes sense. I think, I don't know, she was sort of, I don't know if she was meant to be comic relief or if that was what she brought to that role, but I feel like she was, for lack of a better term, the wacky one. Yeah, oh, I agree with that. I think they did a, a great job I'm trying to say, like, similar to the original, each each of the members of the coven kind of had something that was kind of identifiable about them or or their own struggle or kind of their own distinct personality. And I think that was an area where they did a nice job of, of updating and um, kind of moving that into 2021. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you there. Uh, something to note, Pamela Adlon was in Californication with David Duchovny, who is in this film. In this film. 
<laughs> was he ever tired, but he was there. <laughs> and the two other coven mates are first, uh, Lovey Simone is her name. She Great played name. Tabby. Yeah. Uh, Zoe Luna played Lord Lordis or Lords. Yep. Uh, yeah. Lordis. First time I watched it in my 2020 rewatch, did not realize that was a trans character. Okay. I was happy to see that this time because I'm like, well, even more diversity, which is great, right? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was subtle, but they did say trans at one point. Yes, yes. And there, there's a piece of dialogue that makes it very clear. Again, on the 2020 rewatch, I would, or I should keep calling it rewatch, on the 2020, just watch of all these movies, I was doing other things. You were doing and, things, yeah. yeah. So I missed that. So that was a pleasant, pleasant surprise. Anything you want to mention about those characters or their performance? Yeah, absolutely. I think I was also glad to have the Lourdes character there. I'm I'm glad. I was worried. So once the the first time that I sort of wondered, they were all talking about cramps and Lourdes says can't relate, which so I thought potentially, okay, does that would be one reason, but there could be other reasons that that she didn't also have menstrual cramps. And then when I forget which other, it's one of the other two that says something about um, trans girls. And I think that was the, what they said, the phrasing. And then I thought, oh no, knowing that the David Duchovny character was this men's rights activist, masculinity expert. I was then worried that that was, there was going to be direct conflict mm. there or with his sons. I, I thought that there was going to be some type of violence. And so I'm so glad that there wasn't, that it was an aspect of this character that was named, but it was not a plot point or a catalyst for violence. I thought that I was, that was quite a relief. And I think even just a couple of years ago could have gone another way. So I was glad for that. And then the Tabby character, I, I did want to know her more. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and maybe if I watched it again, I would pick up more things that it's, it's hard, you know, and it was only like 94 minutes long. Right. So it's 94 minutes credits out. It's like 75 minutes. These are really long credits. I was like, wait, what? And there was like eight or nine minutes left of credits when the film ends, but yeah, sorry. Go on. No, but so I, um, I would have liked to have seen more of her. I really loved it when Tabby seemed to be the one, one that kind of set some ground rules and then, was also so aware of the power of it all and to, you know, use the power for good and, and that kind of stuff. And so I was, again, thinking about our critiques of the original where, you know, they turned against each other and too much power had these consequences. I felt like the Tabby character really helped correct for that and be like, we do have this power and it's important and it's important that we use it appropriately. And that then they didn't turn on each other, but came back to support one another. That made me really happy. That was great. And that was like, I think one of my biggest criticisms of the craft that like, Oh, I did not want them to turn on each other, especially like the bonds that they built. So you're absolutely right. Like so, so cool in this, that that's not who the big bad ends up being. It's not themselves. It's someone else. Well, 
that someone else ends up being David Duchovny. So absolutely, <laughs> what'd you think of his performance here? Just the character. A uh, spoiler alert: he is a uh, men's rights warlock. <laughs> That's the scariest phrase in the world. (laughs) I want to talk today about weakness. Because when one of us is weak, all of us are weak. But how do we alchemize weakness into sovereign power? How do we eliminate the weakest among us so that the strongest can thrive? You all know my son, Jacob. Come here, son. Dad. Come here. My son lost a friend today. No, no, we all face tragedy every day. The question is, how do we face it? No, it's okay. You're not weak. You're not weak. He was weak. It's okay. With like a bunch of sons and other just kind of. uh, followers yeah like future frat bro dudes who are in his i don't know what a warlock coven is called but they're on his team are they though many of my critiques come from the like the male side of the movie i don't mean that as like they were bad actors or did a bad job but but that's where i feel like these doors were created i was about to say erected if you will and like not (laughs) no one we didn't have time to walk through them Right. So we meet David Duchovny. It's not clear. I mean, I think it is that he targeted Helen, the Michelle Monaghan character, in order to get to Lily. But we don't know that. I am adding that like subtext myself. But he has three sons. He raises them by himself. He puts on workshops all around. And like he's, he writes about masculinity, all this stuff. So like those were clues. Right. And I could see people maybe young very young people watching the movie and like not and that being a surprise like the minute you see him and his book it's like oh obviously he's the he's the terrible bad guy but i i wanted more like i don't i don't want more bad things to happen but i did it was a little anticlimactic i think his part and then with the sons i didn't understand so like the youngest son seems to be questioning his it's described somewhere as a cult, but his teachings, his way of being, whatever. The older two sons, like the very oldest one is so creepy, but we don't entirely know why. We find out he's had a liaison with another young man, but does the other brother know? And is that, does that have anything to do with why he's so creepy or not? I don't know. I like, so. I just, we don't, and we don't know are they warlocks as well? Like, do they know that there's magic? Like that wasn't clear 
when the dad is gone, are they free? Like I felt like the youngest one would be, or do the sons take over? Like there was all kinds of stuff that I was just not satisfied with. And very particularly as it relates to Nancy, right? So I knew that Frieza Balk plays Nancy was going to be in it. I was excited. <laughs> when David Duchovny's character, what is Adam? Oh, duh, Adam, Adam, and Eve. Okay, when Adam is talking about taking others' power, I assumed then that he was going to monologue about how he took Nancy's power. And that's why he went after Lily. I didn't get any of that. No. <laughs> When they are like vanquishing him, I thought that's when we would get Nancy, right? Her power would be released from him. She would be free again. No, she's just in that same damn facility for 20 years. Which is very puzzling. I just feel like I made up some much more interesting ways to connect <laughs> the two of them than the movie gave me. And that's not fair to say because I wasn't under pressure by studios and whoever else to write it and all those kind of things. But that ranting I just did is just a manifestation of my frustration that like I felt like so many things could happen and didn't. Yeah, no, I, I definitely like agree with what you're saying. And uh, just for listeners out there, like the Nancy thing, we have to wait till the end and it's revealed that Nancy is Lily's true mother right. in terms of biological. Birth biological. mother. Yeah, birth yeah. mother, birth mother. Can I help you? My name's Lily, and um, <laughs> I'm your daughter. It's interesting, like, has she been in that center the whole time? We don't know. We can assume maybe, but at some point, you know, uh, she had Lily and apparently gave her up for adoption, but was in contact with Lily's adoptive mother. I don't know, but... So I did not, when I watched it, I didn't read yeah. anything about the movie. I didn't know that okay. there was any connection. So when I saw Nancy at the end, I'm like, wait, what? You know, look, I know, <laughs> I know they're alluding to this adoption and, and all that. And, and I get all that. But I, I was like, they could have used this more. And they just yes. didn't. <laughs> I, yeah, absolutely. And I know that we talked a little bit about it when we talked about the original that Nancy makes mistakes in the craft, right? Nancy goes too far. Nancy does harm people. And I feel like the way that the David Covenant character is shown to us here, I feel like they were trying to sort of draw a loophole <laughs> that she could jump through to be like it, you know, that her, her power was being affected by something else or you know what I mean? I don't know. I, I just felt like there was more space for kind of the redemption of Nancy in some way, other than by having a child, um, which I don't know, that would be a whole other thing, but I don't know. I just, yeah, I wanted in my head, David Duchovny from whatever warlock cult he's from, like, I don't know, got into the facility posing as a therapist or an orderly or something and like got Nancy's, convinced Nancy to give him her powers and that then he had to get Lily's to continue like his own, I don't know, empire. But that's not, all we get is the very last 
frames of the movie are Lily saying, you're my mom. And then her looking up at us. And that's all we get. Yeah, I mean, because otherwise, otherwise it would just be a retell, not a retelling, but just a different kind of, but similar tale here. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope Feruza got a big paycheck for that one scene. Me too. Me too. <laughs> what was your, what did you think of the Adam as the big bad antagonist? And what were your thoughts about his sons and all that? Again, it's pretty telegraphed early on. He's the bad guy, but whatever. That That's fine. David Duchovny, who I really like, sometimes he could be really deadpan. I don't know. <laughs> I was almost surprised at the end. I'm like, oh, wait, that's it? Kind of thing. Because right. I, he didn't seem like he got to this super evil level. I know he's a bad dude, but just seems like a bad person in real life. Not because he's a warlock with, right. <laughs> with magic or anything. I could have used more lore, like you're saying. Like, I could have used more, like, oh, you know, for thousands of years, we, you know, this is why we've been doing this. You know, you are this, like you We're said, vanquishing this... witches since, you know, the beginning of time. Yeah, and you're, yeah, you're the, you know, uh, descendant of one of the most powerful witch lions, and this is why we're doing all that. And it, more, it was more like, I don't want to criticize David Duchovny's performance, but it was, even in his most intense moments, there's like a half-assness to what he's doing but that's not again i don't mean in a bad way because that's something i think he does really well in everything he does yeah i don't know was it a choice or was he truly sleeping i don't know (laughs) i don't know i i really really don't know i think it's cool to to have him here and again i love that it's not the girls turning on each other like that's awesome to me so everything on paper like if again someone's just telling me this movie oh yeah, so instead of, like, the girls turning on each other, David Duchovny's, like, the bad guy, and he's this, like, yeah. men's rights warlock. Who I'll be like, oh, wow, that really sounds cool. But I don't know. Totally. I don't know what happened here. <laughs> yeah, I think that is that is a great um, answer. I don't know what happened here. I want to ask you a question. So we've talked about almost everybody. We haven't talked about the Timmy character. And so, which is also a weird name for a super douche, but... It's this very kind of, at the beginning, like alpha male dude who's, I would say, assaults Lily a couple of times, trips her, comes up behind her, whispers things in her ears, talks about her, is just gross and disgusting. The coven does a spell to help him see his highest self. That's what they say. And so then he's, they call him woke to me. He becomes Mm -hmm. much more transparent about kind of the I don't know his embracing his his masculinity as well as femininity he come he discloses to them that he is attracted to men and women like all these things and then spoilers is killed by David Duchovny but it makes it look like a suicide was woke Timmy the real Timmy or was he under a spell you know what i'm you know what i'm trying to say like yeah did they bring out like the realness in him or was it i i think he was under a spell i first of all i like woke timmy i think it's really fun too because like he's he's basically saying everything you would want woke timmy to say you know right i do think it's a a spell though you're right it's not that clear i I think they were kind of inspired by the skeet ulrich character who's not woke at all obviously in that film but in what year was the craft? I don't remember. 96? 95, like 96. 95, yeah. yeah. 
that is like, oh, you know, the spell there was just like, love me, you know? This is almost a more woke spell, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it was a great way to update it and to, like, it also kind of punishment fits the crime a little bit. What would be a way to fuck with Timmy is to bring all that insecurity and sensitivity to the surface. Yeah. Woke Timmy... Again, this name, you're right. Now that you mention that, I can't stop thinking of the Timmy name. But, Timmy. <laughs> but woke Timmy, I think he probably has a lot of those elements inside of him. But, you know, he also was a really bad person before that, right? So, like, there's no way woke Timmy is is real to me. He might, again, he might feel those certain things. I don't think it's a complete facade. I don't think it's a complete lie. But it's just bringing out the most woke elements and just magnifying them. So like, that's, that's how I would answer that. But I chuckled a bunch of times at like the stuff he was saying, not that I didn't believe it or anything like that, but it just, it's, it was like every great answer you can imagine from like a a woke dude. Absolutely. Or, or kind of a little bit anyone where it's like, because this happens a little bit and it happened to me as well, but like, you know, when I worked on a campus and had students and I would train them for to be peer advocates. And so we'd talk about the dynamics behind sexual violence and and the sort of tropes in media that perpetuate terrible relationships and things. And then they would all come to a, not all, but like they would come to a place where like, I'm so frustrated. I can't watch a movie. I can't read a book. Every time I'm in a conversation with my friends, I want to say, oh, but that's just you know, idealized masculinity or like, you know, like we sort of, um, I'm the fun police. I ruin things. And so (laughs) it was a little bit like that, like you've just learned all these things. And so you're pointing them out everywhere. And like, yeah, in a high school, there's a lot of problematic stuff likely to point out. And if you do it all the time at every moment, you're going to burn out yourself you're going to turn everyone else off. Like it's just not as kind of a sustainable at 100 in my humble opinion, like <laughs> you gotta figure out how to live in the world as well. So I, yeah, I thought it was a, a funny caricature, but then like Lily kind of falls for woke Timmy. And that was where I was like, yeah, but this is not authentically him. You know what I mean? Like he's not sharing all these things with you because he wants to and he trusts you he's doing it because of the spell and so then that like made it icky yeah oh i agree with that uh, i think though it was i think it was uh, used kind of uh, somewhat effectively as a plot point in a sense i just don't think it came across well in the other girl's reasoning right like kind of felt like she crossed the line with that because he was under a spell at least that's how i well, took it she added the spell yeah. I think that's what they were upset gotcha, about. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. That she did a, a love spell. I do, I, I want to give the movie credit, though, for including, like, female desire and female masturbation in it. It was very awkward. <laughs> but when he, you know, comes in looking for his sweatshirt, but that, I think, also either wouldn't have happened or would have been shot and directed very differently if it was a dude directing and writing, I think. But maybe I'm wrong. No, I agree with that. I definitely, definitely agree with that. Like that's a, there's a lot of that here where, again, on paper, everything sounds like it's awesome. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's just <laughs> tough. A scene that I did enjoy, or at least we'll just say got a kick out of, was the montage when they first get their powers and we see them using it here or there. It was very positive, you know, and it was very fun. It's a little weird how fast they get all these powers, right? It's just like, oh, suddenly... It's almost like we had to watch the craft to understand the lore. The first craft. <laughs> That's you know, a really good point, To understand yeah. the lore. Because if you never knew what the craft was, if you were just dropped on this planet and saw that, you're like, okay. You know what I mean? Just, uh, I think 10 minutes into the movie, they're all like, hey, we're friends, and let's uh, do all the magic and stuff, which is great. Right. But it's also, it didn't feel earned. The only reason we know it's a little bit earned is that the other girls have been trying to right. get yeah. that. And uh, uh, in the montage, we see the light as a feather, as if it's a board scene. We see a couple other things that I thought were fun. Yeah, I, I have to say, in my first watch and in this watch, I did enjoy the first half of the movie more than I enjoyed the second half of the movie. Absolutely. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I agree. I Yeah, I think, again, I think it's that on paper versus how it's delivered, but the combination of them having been a trio of witches that based on how particularly Tabby talks about it, but how they all talk about it, that they've like really studied and and in earnest tried to emulate and recreate and, and do these things. So it's a combination of getting a fourth and that Lily is a natural witch, hmm. which then would make Nancy a natural witch right oh good call i didn't pick that up because she's not robin tunney's character right right which is not how it's really presented to us necessarily although i like to play by you know buffy rules wherein everyone has the potential to be the slayer so (laughs) i think everyone has the potential to be a but but so that at, at least that's how it's portrayed to us in this movie is that right lily your your difference is your power or your power is your difference. I forget. They want to throw around the word power a lot. And both Michelle Monaghan and David Duchovny use it. And they use it in very different ways. And I, that I think is one of the things that, that even on paper doesn't work. Right? Because they're, they're not in the same conversation, but they're using the same terms. So uh, just uh, elaborate on that a little bit, because I don't really remember. What did Duchovny say that was power and what did... Uh... Power is order was yeah. his. Okay. Power is order. And then in his, when we see there's a late night men's group session of some kind <laughs> that Lily witnesses, and he's he makes this point of like sovereign power. What I took from that was something male and masculine that for him is real in a way that like whatever power Michelle Monaghan is talking about is not real. But again, I'm reading more into it than there is on the page. Mm. But so he talks about sovereign power. He talks about power is order. He says over and over again. And that's how, when he's, he shapeshifts into Michelle Monaghan and she says, your power is dangerous. That's how Lily knows it's not her mom because her mom says her difference is her power. And so I don't know, I just, if I were trying to figure out a way to write a paper about this movie, I would do it about power. <laughs> Makes sense. And how between the kind of forces of good and evil, it's, they're not t- actually talking about the same thing. 
And I could be full of shit. Also a possibility. <laughs> That's an interesting take. I guess I didn't think about it as much as maybe I, I should have. I don't know. At this point of the film... It was hard for me not to check out, and that's kind of yeah. crazy in a movie that's so short. Yeah. I'm interested in what what the critics had to say. We might as well do it. We might as well get to the gradings and all such, but let's do our traditional awards first. All right. Brian, who is this movie made for? It's a really good question, actually, this time. <laughs> because I don't know if it was necessarily made for original fans of the craft. You would think it was. It's the craft legacy, but I don't know if that's the case. One of the big complaints I read, which is whatever, I don't really care, because I did like the fashion in this movie. I thought that I thought the outfits were pretty cool. Yeah, me too. But a lot of people were like, "Oh, why weren't there goth, goth girls?" Because were... we've moved on from that. It's not the nineties. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm in agreement. But th- th- I, I, there were too many chokers. <laughs> a lot of chokers. There were a lot of chokers. You're right. I was watching it with a couple of legitimate young people, and I turned and I said, "Have chokers made that much of a comeback?" And they said, "Not to our knowledge." <laughs> But I, I feel like that, that that to me was kind of part of the fun was that the characters all had their own fashion style and they all, I felt like were influenced by kind of a little bit of kind of goth. And I know grunge is different, but like goth grunge, there was mm-hmm. a, a 90s influence in in each character, but they didn't have to be the aesthetic was not part of their relationship with the occult. Yeah. So So who is it made for? <laughs> I mean, it's a long-winded way of saying this. You deal much more with Gen Zers than I do. Um, but there is this perception, it might be reality, that Gen Zers more and more are starting to hate or are hating on millennials for doing this kind of stuff right like this is a millennial director who is taking a borderline gen x you know end gen x early millennial film and it's remaking it and i think they are trying to remake it for a younger generation and maybe they're not succeeding and i see when i hear the criticisms that gen zers have for millennials oh you know, too much nostalgia from you guys, you know, have an original idea. Uh, and then you bring up a movie like this and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe, maybe, I know, maybe I know where you're coming from here. So I think the intended audience might have been a newer generation to enjoy the craft films, but I don't know if it landed on that. Uh, what say you, Aislinn? Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I, and I think that was maybe part of the problem was doing something that appealed to both young viewers, which I think it was meant to, why would it have been PG-13? Good call. You know what I mean? Like, if it was meant for elderly millennials like myself, I feel like they would have made a a R movie. But I, I also could see it as that I could see them, whoever pitched whatever version of it saying, this is something the fans of the craft and their kids could watch together, Mm. right? I mean, there's multiple masturbations, but there's no nudity. You know what I mean? Like there's thinking about like, okay, could I watch this with my parents? If I was 16 and I would look online 
to see what was in it and be like, okay, we could probably manage to watch that together. So I think it was trying to be for both. And in that, I'm not going to say failed, but, but suffered on both ends for that. Yeah, no, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. No, I agree with that. Is it based on YA? No, no, but it is derivative of the original film. So it's not like a completely organic idea. Right. Um, do we have a dead teen or a dead parent? I don't think so. There isn't a, like, before we know that she is Nancy's daughter, it's a, it's a possibility that you think she might have a dead parent, but I don't think we have a, wait, we have dead teen, obviously. We have, uh, what's yeah. his name? Yeah. I was thinking Timmy. Of, uh, yeah, Tibby, Tibby. Poor Tibby. Uh, yeah, so dead teen, yes. Dead parent, uh, not so sure. We don't know. Uh, we don't know where David Duchovny's, the mother of his sons, is. Nor I do assume we, yeah. he killed her. Yes, we have to assume that. Nor do we know um, where uh, Lily's father is. She says she never met right. him. And yeah, so who knows? Uh, on to our superlatives. Who won the movie? Who's most likely to succeed? I guess Lily, but maybe the whole co- collective unit there. Because again, nice moment that they all come together at the end to vanquish the enemy. So I'm going to say the whole coven. You see, Lily, in order to gain a witch's power, she has to give them up voluntarily. So you do have a choice here. We can do this the easy way or the hard way. to kill me first so the easy way Great. I think that's great. How about the Wooderson Award? What character would you like to have seen more of? That's a good question. Huh. Uh, Again, in a short movie, we should be able to answer it. <laughs> Did you have anyone off the top of your head? No, I wanted to know more about Tabby. And I think, I don't know, I, I guess if it were me and I had all the money and all the power, I would have made this a short series on Netflix. Ooh, good call. Yeah. And like I, chilling, I chilling Sabrina style and, and let it unfold over the course of a season or a, you know, a short series, the David Duchovny evil thing. 
and that yeah. then we could really dig into each of the households that the um, young women come from and that there would be more fun to have with their magic as they kind of all used it in their individual lives. That's a, that's a much better idea. Though, Wooderson Award, now that I think about it, yeah. we, bo- we both kind of said that. How about a little bit more Nancy? Oh, absolutely. Of course. Thank you. Yes. I demand more Nancy. <laughs> On the other side of things, the Long Duck Dong Award, any character whose omission might make the film better. Do we need all those brothers? Amen. Agreed. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why there were two that were similar in age, neither of them in high school, by the way. That was confusing to me with Timmy. And so Timmy's best friends with the one, but had a physical relationship with the other. Like, yeah, it was just too many, too, too many dicks in that household. Hundred percent. Um, okay. As an extra credit assignment here, can you recommend a teen movie to a character in this film? I want the whole coven to watch Teen Witch because it is so f- not this and it's so silly that let's have a fun movie night among all the chaos that's that's happening in their world. That sounds great. Anytime I mention Teen Witch and it's ridiculous. Ridiculousness, I will. How about nice. you guys? I love that. Um, great question. And, and why is it the perks of being a wallflower? <laughs> I know, right? It's always <laughs> what I want to do, but I'm not going to. I guess I was trying to... I think this is dumb, but I'm going to say it anyway because it's what's in my head. If we, if we kind of take all the metaphors away and pretend that David Duchovny is just like an asshole man, I would suggest he watch Lady Bird um, to get kind of a better understanding of, you know, young, young women in high school and approaching college. But again, that would be if he wasn't actually evil. So (laughs) it's not a great answer, but it's the one that came to mind. (laughs) I like it. Okay. Oh gosh, this is gonna be tough. Report card time. Time for the grades for reference. Ooh, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, forty-seven uh, percent by the critics, twenty-five by the audience. That's not that's good. harsh. Not good. um, two point three out of five on Letterbox. What do you give this as a with a for a grade? So a a to f scale. I don't think. By any metric, is this 25%? This movie doesn't fail, you know? (laughs) This is a tough one. C, C minus? I don't know. I'm going to go in that range, I think. I I wanted it to be better. It had all the... I know I say this a lot, especially on AP, but this is one of those things that has all the ingredients, and you look at the paper, you're like, wow, this is a good idea. I'm excited to read this paper. And then it's just not coming together on the page. So I would write that note, the classic note that I like to write. Some good ideas here, but but take it back and rework it, please. Yeah. How about you? So it's tough, and I have not gone back. I I should be documenting on my grades that I have some consistency, but I think in this case, the ingredients are important, and I... Truly for the, like, I, I believe when I say an A for effort, however, the execution 
of the story itself, like that, you know, that second half just is, is rough. And so, uh, I think I'm going to have to land on a C. I would love to give it a low B, but I think I have to give it a C. That being said, between this and that one with all the characters when they were graduating high school. Oh, the last summer. The last summer. This is better than that. Oh, way better. The writing in this is much better than that. Way better. And I would watch this again before I would watch that again. So I'm going to be generous because I want to be and I'm going to give it a B minus. It doesn't deserve it, but that's what I'm giving it. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So how about a The Craft Legacy themed sleeping bag for our The Craft Legacy slumber party? What would that sleeping bag look like? I should have thought about this one ahead of time. I invented the question. I should have known. Huh. This is a tough one. Again, I love the fashion in this movie, but I can't think of a specific print I would have. By the way, the artwork for this movie is really great. Blumhouse always does a good job at this kind of artwork, uh, the artwork for the movies. All I know Mm -hmm. is that my sleeping bag is going to come to my neck like a choker, right? There you go. Zip it all the way up and have it just choke me (laughs) under the, the, uh, you know, chin. Um, And I'll have that one. I'll just go basic, but that she's wearing, Lily's wearing this uh, shirt that's like up to her neck as well. And it's got like a cool, shiny design print. And that's what my sleeping bag is going to look like. Simple, but yeah. Oh, oh, and it's going to have glitter because... Damn it! it. (laughs) You can still pick glitter. I like when they go to the party and they wear glitter. I like their party outfits. I also, so in addition to chokers, the other thing I noticed from the first scene was the number of times, and, and it happened, I think, with all the characters by the end, glitter eyeshadow was a big part of of their you know, except makeup and accessory sort of rituals, if you will. So I'm going to give you glitter and I'm going to go a different way. My sleeping bag is going to be um, blue with purple accents. It is going to be um, like the sweatshirt that Timmy left in Lily's room and that Lily uses in her spell, if you will, as well as her special alone time. Nice. I like it. (laughs) okay we have our sleeping bags but we need movies to watch so in this uh mythical slumber party where we we're going to rent rent to get one free along with the craft legacy what two other films would um we rent in the slumber party to watch with the craft legacy okay my two picks are Two other films that I watched during the infamous 2020 Watch All Teen Movies thing. Okay. I, I really, really need a better title for that. Um, <laughs> they were two other... Again, this isn't really a horror film, but they were two other horror-ish movies in the teen genre. There were a couple horror movies that I watched, but The Craft Legacy made me think of these two other films. 
I'm not recommending them because I necessarily <laughs> thought they were great, but maybe that's what I would say about the Craft Legacy as well. So the first one is another Blumhouse film called Nocturne that uh, premiered in 2020. And it is about a young woman at a very special high school where they're all musicians. Mm. And it's it's a horror film. I don't want to spoil it, but pressure's built on her. She has a twin sister. She's really trying to master the violin. Things get scary and creepy. Probably not a movie you want to watch, Iceland. Violins <laughs> and twins together? That's that's too many creepy things already, so I, I'm out. Um, but I at the sleepover, you just watch it after I fell asleep at the sleepover. It'd be no problem. <laughs> and what what is the other one? Well, I don't think, again, you're going to be down for this sleepover regardless. But uh, the other one is a film called Run, um, which I watched on Hulu for the same uh, whole rewatch thing. It stars Sarah Paulson and Kiera Allen. And uh, Sarah Paulson plays a mother. Um, Kiera Allen is actually a disabled actor. So that's cool. That's definitely cool to see. It's one of those movies where the mother has been abusing the daughter in a sense of giving her the wrong medication. Oh, like a Munchausen by proxy. Yes, yes, yes. She discovers this. I don't know what the horror term for hijinks is. Oh, but, no. But hijinks ensue. You know? Oh, wow. <laughs> like I said, definitely not a uh, definitely not a triple feature that you would probably enjoy. I don't even know if I would enjoy. But The Craft <laughs> Legacy made me think of these two other kind of creepy, horrorish films that came out around the same time. So that's my trifecta. What, what's yours, Isla? Absolutely. Mine is... I took a real left turn in comparison to that. So that's that's one um, sleepover lineup. Alternatively, I because I, I wanted more Nancy, I wanted more um, Fruzabalk, I suggest Almost Famous. Nice, nice. I think always, always a classic. But again, I am an elderly millennial and I love my nostalgia. And then I know it's skipping from witches to vampires, but I just feel like the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer would be a fun, also like not, I don't know, scary moments, but not actually like really a horror movie. I, you know, I, I think it would be a nice pairing. So that's, those are mine. A much more enjoyable slumber party for they sure. They're a very different tone. <laughs> well, that, that that's very good. I like that. So, uh, slumbers out there, you can choose. Do you want to go to the uh, creepy horror slumber party or do you want to go to the fun slumber party? It's up to you. Those are the questions. <laughs> um, speaking of, I don't know, uh, <laughs> speaking of fun, what is my special assignment? What, what, a movie from the last three years that you've already covered on High School Slumber Party, should I watch to help me catch up in my studies? So this is something, you might as well say horror because you're not going to enjoy this, but we have to do it. Island, you have to watch The Kissing Booth. You have to. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> because we worried there. We it's need like... to talk about it. It's not a real horror film, but it is not but it will be good. It will be, maybe, look, who knows? Maybe you'll like it. Maybe you'll be like, Brian, this is my favorite movie of all time. I highly doubt it, but <laughs> don't invite people over for that one. Okay, you, I won't. You have permission to watch it in parts. Okay. 
pace myself. You, we can't really have to all the boys in the dialogue without having the kissing booth. They came out Understood. around the same time. For, in my opinion, for everything that to all the boys series did well, the kissing booth series did not. Uh, it did, as it went along, try to correct some things. Oh, interesting. Maybe successfully, maybe not so successfully. But I cannot wait for your opinion on the original Kissing Booth film. I, I just, I, I want you to see it and I want to hear what you say. A very pre-pandemic title. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think we're probably done with Kissing Booth. I mean, I think 2021 <laughs> we're done with Kissing Booths, hopefully, but certainly done with literal kissing booths. <laughs> there are moments that looking back on that film that I'm like, oh my God, in terms of, we'll just say they don't make movies like this anymore and it's probably a good thing. Okay. A lot of, a lot of similarities though to uh, the two All the Boys series and Molly Ringwald's in it and we love her here on this podcast. So you could Always look forward, a good time. You could look forward to that. Whenever you get to it, we'll chat the kissing booth another time. Uh, This was great chatting, not just the craft legacy, but the craft as well. Super, super thankful to be able to do these AP films and bring everyone up to speed on the recent, recent teen movies. So, Aislinn, anything you want to plug or say before we get out of here? As we discovered on the craft episode, you finally figured out how to use Instagram, so I was happy about that. (laughs) Yes. I don't, I don't know how much of that conversation made the cut, but um, yes, I had left people waiting for weeks um, to confirm our, our virtual friendship. For that, I apologize. And thank you for helping me learn how to use Instagram a decade late. Um, I am on Instagram, Iceland.Ruth. I'm on Twitter at SassyNerdMT. And I am on another Cage Club podcast called The Contenders, where we talk about um, movies made by and starring women. So if you're interested, join us over there. Always fun. And I'm so glad that I was able, thank you so much for allowing me to guest on the original craft. This has been a, a really fun compare and contrast and sort of nostalgia and new and in the fall, at the spooky time of year, it's just been great. So thank you. Thanks, as always, Aislinn. And uh, we'll catch up soon for another great modern teen film. You know the vibe. You know the vibe. Switch up the ride. Switch up the ride. Don't check the price. Don't check the price. No switch sides. No switch sides. In a drop top. Yeah. I go shop, shop. Yeah. I got money, money. Yeah. The Vibes by Sapphire, of course, off the Craft Legacy soundtrack. That was a really fun episode. I, of course, am Brian Rodriguez, one half of the hosting team that brings you High School Slumber Party AP. And, of course, the OG host of High School Slumber Party OG. Speaking of the OG of the OG, speaking of regular High School Slumber Party, if you will, we have another episode on Friday. Spooky Month continues. Ryan Stick will be here. And the movie will be Dance of the Dead.
I know this is last minute, but will you please go to the prom with me? Ew, get lost, Jimmy. You will remember tonight! The prom tickets! We don't have dates to the prom. I was gonna go, but then my day ate bad spinach. Wow, uh, Come on, Steven Ask! You're the minds behind 30 days of night and the grudge movies why is this happening into the world god's flushing the toilet that was disturbing if we don't stop those things from getting to the prom then our world is over little lady you'll get the machete but i don't know how to shoot a machete so that's your homework, guys. It's free on Tubi. No excuses not to watch it before Friday. And once again, Ryan Stick of the Ryan Stick Show will be our guest. One more thing before I let you go. Remember that life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. Later, dudes. Go.